0: You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. How does it feel to know that it's God's breath that is in your lungs? Did you, um, did you listen to the scripture when Doug so beautifully read it this evening? When God called Jeremiah to be the prophet of an entire nation, he said, I knew you before you were born. Some translations say, I knit you in your mother's womb. Others translations say, I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were born. Same thing for you folks. He knew you before you were born. Do you realize how big your God is? you have any clue how big God is? And yet, how many of us still have fear in our lives? Anybody have some anxiety? Do you know that specialists say they've done some dream studies that the number one dream that people have is a dream of not being prepared? You ever had that dream before? Not being prepared? Karen's dad... He's a retired United Methodist minister after 50 years of serving. He used to have this dream of not being prepared. And he, he would wear robes. You've seen clergy wear robes before. And he wore a robe every Sunday. And he had a dream that he got it in front of the congregation and he, and he had his robe on, but he wasn't wearing anything under the robe. <laughs> the dream symbolized you're not prepared, you're not ready. And so he would wake up in the middle of the night and he and the Lord would go into the study and he would study more of God's word and he would pray more to be prepared. That's how serious he took delivering a word from God. And folks, I got to say, I've learned a lot from him. That's how serious I take preparing each message every week. It's how serious Doug takes the opportunity to lead us in worship. It's not something that happens in just a few hours. It begins early in the week, all the way up into the moment. And it just happens I've had a little less time this week because we're worshiping on Saturday night. Now, what you don't know is Mitch and I usually write our sermons Saturday evenings about 9 or 10 o'clock after football's over. I'm just kidding about that. Well, maybe I'm not. No, no, it's a lot more planning than that. I did have a friend, though, that told me that God really never inspired him until. Sunday morning, about two hours before he was to preach. I don't know if I could work that way. But if that's what God decided to do. And so I started listening to this friend's sermons, and it seemed like he didn't prepare, you know, but about two hours before his his time. But anyway, we won't go into that story. So I suspect I'm not the only one who panics about not being prepared sometimes. And it helps us to relate to the situation that Jeremiah the prophet in our scripture lesson for today was facing you see Jeremiah was a very young man he was a young priest just starting out he was in this small settlement in Jerusalem when God spoke to him one day and called him to be a prophet to the nations this is a big deal folks nothing scary about that right yes don't kid yourself it's funny but I've often said, and I've often heard others say, if God would just speak to me, if he would just speak to me, if he would just tell me what I should do with my life, it would be much easier. You see, there was a story about this, this young man that wanted God to speak to him. That He actually he prayed. He, he got on his knees and said, Jesus, would you just come to my house? Would you just visit me and be with me and walk with me? through every aspect of my life. And believe it or not, he got a knock at the door. He's like, oh, goodness. He opens the door, and standing at the door was Jesus. Wow, Jesus is at the door. So he says, oh, Jesus, you're here. Come on in, and he invites him in. He says, here, sit down, Jesus. Ah, man, what, what should we do? I got Jesus here. Maybe, maybe we'll watch a little TV. So he turns on the TV. He says, Jesus, let's watch my favorite show, Jerry Springer. He's like, mm, Jesus, you probably don't want to watch that, do you? Are you thirsty, Jesus? I'll get you something to drink. Oh, Jesus, all I got in the refrigerator is PBR. Oh, I know what we could do, Jesus. I do have plenty of water. Could you change it into wine, Maybe. And then his cell phone starts going off. Now, Jesus is right there. He's following him all around the house. Just imagine, Jesus is right there. And his cell phone goes off, and he picks it up. And some of his friends saying, hey, man, we got this party tonight. There's going to be a lot of girls there. Come on. He's like, oh, yes, I'll be there. And he looks, and there's Jesus standing there. He's like, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. You answered my prayer, but you just need to sit this one out, Jesus. You just stay here. I've got this uh, appointment that I need to go to. And so as he heads out the door, right behind him is Jesus. He's like, Jesus, I don't think you heard me. Um, You just need to go back inside, please. I've got an appointment I need to be at. He goes to walk out, and Jesus follows him again. This happens five or six times till the young man gets aggravated. And finally, he shoves Jesus back into the house, and he says... I don't need you right now. I've got something else to do, and I don't need you to be with me on this one. Okay. And then the story goes, several more things happen like this to the point that this young man is so fed up with it that he nails Jesus to the walls of his house to keep him there. Folks, I'm afraid that many people they pray that prayer, Jesus, if you would just walk with me, if you would just talk with me, if you would just speak to me, if you just be with me. And if he really showed up and did that, there would be parts of our lives that we're embarrassed for him to be at, show up, be a part of. And yet we don't have to pray that prayer because you already know. Sherry just prayed it in her prayer. He is omnipresent. He's here. He's with us always. He knows every single thing that you're doing, that you're thinking, that you're going to do. And so there's no escaping his spirit. So go ahead and realize that he is walking with you. He is already there. We all think that if God spoke to us in a clear, unmistakable way, we would feel instant relief and would obey instantly. But would we? If he specifically called us to do something, would we do it? Look at the people in the Bible. That God spoke to. Very few responded with. Sounds great God. I'm on and I'll do it. Thanks for the clear directions. Almost everybody. Responded with fear. Questions or excuses. I'm too young. Not good enough. I can't speak clearly. I'm too small. So let's not kid ourselves. That we are so faithful. Or courageous to respond. When God calls us. To fulfill his purposes. Jeremiah responds like we probably would. Alas, sovereign Lord, which is another way of saying, oh, no, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. You know, those seem like reasonable excuses, don't they? No, thank you, Lord. I'm not ready. I'm sure you meant to give that job to someone else. Has someone ever called you from the church and asked you to do something? And you're like, I'm sure you didn't mean to call me. That must be a mistake. And yet you wrote on that gifts card that you'd be willing to do that very thing they were asking you to do? And yet you say, no. And then they respond and say, well, you said you would on this little card here. Oh, I I, I was out of my mind, I guess, when I wrote that on there. Or have somebody called you and called out a gift in you? Or it may be in the church or out in the hallway or in the grocery store and said, I see this gift in you. And yet you said, yeah, that's not me. And yet they see it in you, but you don't see it. Be on the watch, folks. Be on the lookout for others to identify God's gifts in you and your potential. Other people can point out that giftedness. And I would affirm that and pray about it if someone approaches you and says, I see this in you. I see the potential in you to do this. It reminds me of a a comment a manager wrote in an an employee evaluation. The manager says this, He's never been very successful. When opportunity knocks, he complains about the noise. Ouch! Jeremiah wasn't exactly complaining. He was just listening. All Jeremiah heard was the responsibility. He didn't hear the reassurance. You know, God never gives a responsibility without first giving reassurance. Maybe I need to say that again. It is in your notes. God never gives a responsibility without first giving reassurance. God never calls someone without first comforting them. God never appoints someone without first anointing them. So let me ask you, how big is your God? Look at God's words in the beginning of this passage. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I hope you hear these words too, just as Jeremiah did, and plant them in your heart and mind because your life will never have the impact God created you for unless you understand this truth. God made you for a purpose. He made you for a purpose. That's the first truth we need to understand from Jeremiah's story. God made you for a purpose. In fact, when God tells Jeremiah, before you were born, I set you apart, the word used here literally means set apart for a sacred purpose or consecrated. You weren't just made for a purpose. You were made for a sacred purpose, for God's purposes. How big is your God? What would change about your life if you viewed every moment as a limitless opportunity to live for God? Every moment. The time you spend on the school bus or commuting each morning, the conversations in the locker room or the conference room or the band room or on social media, what would those moments look like if you knew God was working through you to change people's lives? Are you familiar at all with Ephesians 2.10? It reads like this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which were prepared in advance for us to do. Prepared in advance. God not only created us for good works, God prepared those good works for us in advance God didn't just make you for a purpose God made you with a plan in mind God made you for a specific good works that were prepared in advance for you to do there is nothing random or meaningless in your life or about your life really every moment was created for God's sacred purposes that's the first thing we need to understand from today's Bible passage the second thing we need to understand from this passage is that in order to accomplish God's purposes we must first live without fear think what you could accomplish if you could live without fear this past summer I learned that some of our young people like to jump off high rock formations at the Chattahoochee River one of them sitting back there on the back row just happens to be my son I didn't know about it by the way did his father go and do it? I'm not going to say. But anyway, has his father done things like that before? Yes, he has, recently, just by the way. And so I remember thinking, that's crazy for y'all to be jumping off these rocks into the Chattahoochee. Do you know what's in the Chattahoochee? What's down below when you're jumping? Because it's really high up. And I saw some of the video, and you jump so high when you hit the water, it stings. It hurts. It hurts. But then, before I laid into him and his friends, I thought, well, I did the same thing. I jumped off bridges in South Carolina, a place called Lynch's River. I used to swing off these bridges on the side of the bank into a place called Black Creek that was full of water moccasins. I didn't care. But one thing that my daddy taught me, he said, son, never jump unless you can see where you're going to land. So many times, I would actually swim down where I'm going to jump to make sure there's no rocks. And I figured out, jumping off this bridge down off Lynch's River in South Carolina, by the way, near Lake City, South Carolina, that if I jumped in between these two big rocks in this little narrow place, it was 20 feet deep, but you had to jump perfectly to escape the rocks. I must have jumped a hundred times and never hit the rocks. Thank you, God, for protecting me. But my dad said, just make sure you know where you're going to land. I tell young people the same thing. And before you climb, make sure you see a way back down just in case you chicken out. We had that happen not long ago. There's a place in South Carolina. It's called Long Shoals Roadside Park. And there's this rock that you have to climb up to to get to. And down below it used to be a deep, cold water pocket. But sand had filled in a lot of it. And we got up to the top up and we realized when we looked down, wait a minute, it's only like two feet deep now. It used to be like eight feet deep. And so I said, well, I'm not jumping. And so <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going back down and I realized, wait a minute, it's a lot harder to go back down than it is to get up. I'm always jumping off. What a dumb me do, rather than go back down and, and risk slipping, I decided well, I'll just jump and I'll just bring my feet up like this. And I did. And I was okay. My feet just went into the sand. Not smart. For my age, by the way. The kids did it too. So, climbing and jumping off high rocks and making sure you know where you're going to land and what's down below, you know, that's not great advice for followers of Jesus Christ. God says, jump, and I'll catch you. God says, climb out on a higher peak and trust that I will show you the way. Listen to God's word in Jeremiah. Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Let me ask you something. How many opportunities are lost to fear, particularly the fear of rejection? How many blessings wither and die in the face of our excuses fear shrinks our vision fear stunts our potential fear steals our eternal impact how by making us doubt God's calling listen to listen to God's words again do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you declares the Lord I want you to repeat to yourself three times three times today And maybe 30 times a day when you leave here for the next couple of days. I want you to repeat this. I will not be afraid for God is with me and will rescue me. Think you can remember that? I will not be afraid for God is with me and will rescue me. I'm going to do it again. I will not be afraid for God is with me and will rescue me. If you will say that every day, several times a day, God's going to take you places you never thought possible. He will be with you, and he'll rescue you. You'll see some opportunities happen. Some doors will open that did not open before if you'll do that. I'm going to tell you something, and this may be tough teaching for some of you because some of you have a lot of anxiety and fears. Hear this now. Anxiety and fear are emotions of unbelief. Fear and anxiety is facing the future without God. That's difficult teaching, isn't it? That's a moment in your life where there's some doubt. You see, that's not who we are. We are powered by the emotions of faith and trust, which lead to joy and peace. That's your word for the year, peace. That's what we're powered by. How big is your God? And the final thing we need to understand from the story of Jeremiah is that to accomplish God's purposes, we must trust God's plan. You think you're supposed to trust your plan? (laughs) No. God's plan. Doing great things for God begins with the simple trust that the one who has called us will not forsake us as we follow his call. The next illustration is appropriate since the NFL playoffs began today. And they extend through tomorrow and the next couple of weeks into the Super Bowl in February. I was struck recently by some wise words written by finance blogger Bob Lotich. He was comparing God with the professional quarterback Tom Brady. And no, he didn't say that Brady can walk on water, though I'm sure some of his fans think he can. Here's what Lotich wrote God loves throwing lead passes. Do we have any football fans here with us today? What does that mean? God loves throwing lead passes. Lotich explains that a lead pass in football is when the quarterback throws a long pass, not to where the receiver is, but to where the receiver is going. For a lead pass to work, the receiver runs ahead of the ball being thrown and trusts that the quarterback is going to throw it to just the right spot. Maybe this video here will set the example and, and unclog your memory for just a moment. Locking tight end, Fitzpatrick. Now another flag. Bennett launching Mitchell. He sees Tim Smith jump. He says, What the heck? Let's go to the young corner. We've gone after him here a little bit on this drive. Let's take a shot with my freshman Mitchell against Jackson. Ball underthrown just a bit. Jackson never turns to find the ball. And a great job again by a Georgia player locking in to secure. So that one actually a lead pass, believe it or not. It was, ball was on the thrown a little bit, but aren't you glad he caught it? Congratulations, UGA fans. You deserve it. You deserve it. You worked hard for that. That's all I'll say about that. (laughs) But congratulations. Isn't it a great feeling? It is, isn't it? It really is. It's a good feeling, isn't it, Steve? We know what it's about. Good feeling, isn't it, Eric? You've won enough of them. You know what I'm talking about. Listen to what else Bob writes. Bob says this. With God, when you follow his principles, the results are almost always delayed. As in when he asks you and me to do something, we rarely see the immediate results. We have to keep doing what we know he told us to do, just keep running. And trusting that God will get us the results, the ball, somewhere downfield. If I were playing catch with the NFL quarterback, Tom Brady, and he said, just start running and the ball will be there when you get there, I would trust him. I would trust him that the ball would be there. I mean, he's won seven Super Bowl rings, and some say he's going to win another one. So I know he can get the ball down the field to where it needs to be. How much more can we trust God when he says, just start running? I'll take care of the rest. Whatever you are trusting him for today, just keep running. And trust that he's got it all worked out for you. Just keep running. Just keep running. He's got it all worked out. And that's what Jeremiah learned to do. God didn't choose Jeremiah because of his outstanding skills and charisma and his public speaking. Look at the final verses from today's Bible passage. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This is going to shrink your ego a little bit, but I'm going to say it. God's plan is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God working through us. As the Lord said to Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth. But God gives us a choice. What we give to God, He will use for His purposes. So, what would happen if you gave everything to Him? God made you for a sacred purpose. You can't unhear that truth. Every moment you are alive is a sacred opportunity to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. The only obstacle standing between you and God's sacred purpose is your willingness. Will you give every part of your life to God? Will you refuse to let fear shrink your vision? If so, God can use you to bring hope and salvation to people who might never meet him any other way. So I want you to decide this evening, and it's evening time, night time, to trust everything to God's purposes. And God will make use of you To make an eternal impact in others' lives. Decide today that the battle belongs to the Lord. How we handle life depends on how big we believe God is. Now these principles are in your notes and I want you to take them home today because they will set you free. There's transformation in this message today, folks. If he's too small, if God is too small, you will live in constant anxiety thinking everything depends on God. You, got any people driven like that in here today? Yes, there are some watching right now. If God's too small, your outlook will be dictated by your surroundings, or worse, your critics. Without the acceptance of a loving God, you'll be bound to people's opinions. You'll always be worried about what other people think of you, rather than what God thinks. And there's total defeat in that, folks, worrying about what everybody else thinks. If he's too small, you will constantly crave recognition because you don't understand that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, Matthew 6, 4. When we make the mistake of shrinking God, we offer prayer without faith, work without passion, service without joy, and suffering without hope. Which results in fear, retreat, loss of vision, and failure to persevere. How big is your God? You see, when you understand that God is limitless and he is big, he's mighty, he's strong. Then you get to serve. You get to worship. You get to help people. You get to put the needs of your own aside and do for others. You don't got to. Uh, I got to make lunches again for that sack lunch brigade. Oh, I got to go set up at the church. Oh, I got to do this. I got to inconvenience my schedule. They're doing worship on Saturday night. Saturday night's my night. You know what I'm saying? We had people at Misty Creek Thursday night at prayer group saying, May we come to worship? Will you have worship Saturday night instead of just filming it and videoing it? Can we come and be there? Had folks tell me they canceled their vacation, not vacation, their getaway plans. Smart because of the weather coming in tomorrow. Had folks tell me that they had, they went, they canceled their dinner plans for the night because they wanted to be here. They wanted to worship the living God and be here in person. Aren't you glad you did that? I mean, you can still go and get Mexican after the service tonight. (laughs) Your spouse might not appreciate it about 12 or 1, but you still can do it. You still can do it. But see, you've come to feed on the food and drink of the Holy Spirit tonight. And so you'll never be hungry or thirsty because you did that. You go eat dinner tonight, and believe it or not, you'll wake up in the morning, and you'll be ready for a full breakfast again. It's just that way. But when we feed on the food and drink of the Holy Spirit... We spread the feast around so that others can enjoy and taste and see how good God is. How big is your God? When Goliath threatened the Israelites, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They didn't think God was big enough for the job, but not David. Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will save me. That's what David said. The Lord will save me. We can face anything when we know what David knew. The battle is the Lord's. You don't fight it by yourself. The battle belongs to the Lord. And he's never lost one yet. But if you try to fight it on your own... You will lose, but you will not lose if he's fighting the battle for you. So we don't have to depend on our own resources. David may have felt small, but he knew God was big enough for the job. How big is your God? I want you to reflect on that a moment as our worship team comes and leads us now. You see, in the Gospel of Matthew, we are told not to worry. Not to worry about anything. What we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, where we're going to sleep. Don't worry about any of those things. Because Jesus is going to provide everything that we need. Not everything that you want, Jesus is not into the want list. He's into the needs list. And if you're in touch and in tune with the Spirit, you probably don't have much of a needs list because He's meeting the needs. And you're like, praise be to God. And if you're giving back, not just financially, but if you're giving back to the kingdom, you're giving yourself, you see what He's doing in return for that, don't you? It's grandiose beyond anything you could imagine. says he tells us to keep our eyes on the sparrow. He provides for the sparrow, doesn't he? That little old bird. He watches over you more than the sparrow. And so I want to remind you, as the author of Hebrews reminds us, to keep our eyes fixed and focused on the author, creator, perfecter, pioneer of our faith. And we'll have nothing to fear. Isaiah. Oh, he tells us in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him in Isaiah 43 Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to release the anxiety and the fear to you because the battle does belong to you Lord set us free from from fear and anxiety and depression and and physical ailments Lord and Lord we ask you to touch those right now that are physically ill that are in the hospital that are home that can't get out that are isolated that are quarantining Lord we pray that your supernatural divine presence would come upon them right now and bring restoration and wholeness We claim that. And we claim it in our own lives, Lord. Heal us. Heal our minds, bodies, and our spirits. Awaken in us that abundant life that you promised us in John 10.10, that you've come to give us abundant life. Satan may come to steal and kill and destroy, but you have the victory. You hold the keys to the kingdom, Lord and this evening tonight we receive those keys and you are allowing us to unlock the mysteries of the kingdom tonight and the to claim the faith that leads to trust and peace and joy we claim this right now in this place in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message